Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. I generally, when I'm teaching, I'm thinking in terms of uh, edifying everyone and making them feel better about themselves and about the situation in which they live. You especially, I'm, I'm talking to uh, disciples of Christ, members of the body of Christ, Christians. Uh, I don't like to start a lesson back in the darkness. I'd rather be in the light. And yet in order for me to convey to you what I have in mind this morning, I have to start back in the darkness. I have to start back to a time before Jesus, before He came. And I have to go back there because basically that's what this text was talking about, saving the world. Jesus came to save a condemned world from itself. We, uh, we have a tendency to look back in history and gloss over the image that we have of the old world, what, what the world was like. Even we, have, we do that in, in terms of our own history. We like to think that we were, we were good, that there's an innate goodness in all of us, that there's something about us that is redeemable and worthwhile, that we, we are able to perform something that will be beneficial and helpful to people around us. The problem with that type of thinking is that man has no innate goodness. It's just not there. The, uh, the Bible tells us in several different places, and of course I take the word of Jesus in these matters, and the work, word of the Bible in these matters, the Bible tells us that uh, there is none that does good, no, not one. A young man came to Jesus one time and he said, what? He said, good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Matthew 19. Anyway, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, and that is God. Again, what I'm, what I'm going to tell you is that the world that Jesus came into was a cursed and world that was consigned to destruction. Not because God wanted to destroy that world, but because man was destroying himself. He was consuming himself in wickedness and evil. There wasn't anything good about that world. And again, I say, we, we go back to that time, we, we try to gloss everything over. We look back, for instance, at some of the things that have, that have uh, survived over the history, over, the, over time. And we look at the monuments that men have built. And we, we like to take that tour and look at the seven wonders of the ancient world, for instance. The uh, mausoleum at Carnassus, the, the uh, temple at Rhodes, the... Uh, pyramids, things of this nature. We like to look at these and say what wonderful things they did, but we have to realize that they were built at the expense of human beings that were tortured and beaten 
and savaged in order for them to build these objects of wonder for their masters. It wasn't something that the masters did that was so noble and wonderful and good. It was something that came out of their avarice, their greed, and their desire for stature. The ancient, ancient history is rife with evil. The world was deteriorating. When Jesus stepped down into this world, he stepped down into muck. He stepped down into a world that was destroying itself, cannibalizing itself, going to ruin and rack. It's a wonder the world didn't shatter when he stepped on it. This world was horrible. It was dark. It was depressing. And that's why when Jesus talked to the people when he, when he came to them and said he came as a light to lighten the Gentiles, the nations is what he's saying. He came as a light to lighten the nation. He was going to turn the light on and help them see the way out of the darkness that they were in. He came to save us from ourselves. We, we, uh, we look at slavery today and we think, what a, what a horrible thing it was. And what we're actually looking back 200 years, that's all. When we're, when we're thinking about slavery, well, we know it's bad. We know it's terrible. It's awful. They didn't know that. As a matter of fact, the pyramids were built by slaves. So were all the other seven wanderers of the ancient world. Built by slaves. People were enslaved at that time. And nobody thought anything about it. It wasn't contrary to human nature at that point. It wasn't. They didn't even think about it. And when Jesus came to this earth, they still weren't thinking about it. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't think it was bad if you lived in that time and have never heard the name of Jesus or read about the gospel. You wouldn't think anything about it. But we do now, and we do now because we are an enlightened society, enlightened by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's telling these men that he's going to do. He said, I'm going to let you go tell the world another story that's going to change things. We look back at the philosophers and think what wonderful men they were. And at the rulers, the ancient rulers, what wonderful individuals they were. Did you know that the, most of the ancient philosophers were pedophiles? They traveled around with boys that they abused constantly, persistently, and nobody thought anything about it. They didn't care. Roman rulers were the same thing. And yet we, we magnify them and we, we hold them up and say, look what great philosophical teaching they, they left the world. Yes, but what type of individuals were they? They were living in a dark and demented world. Savagery. Hatred. We despise hatred today. They didn't despise it then. Everybody hated everybody else. The Grecians hated the Romans. The Romans hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Gentiles. The uh, Etruscans hated the Greeks. They all nations hated each other. It was something that went on all the time. It was there. Nobody raised a voice against it. That was okay. Hatred was fine. Racism was fine. Animosity was fine. Slavery was fine. How about women? Did they have any rights? Well, there were some women in, in the uh, olden times that rose to the stature of preeminence. But it was through, by dint of either nepotism 
or Platonism. It was because somebody helped them up through their own brutality. And like Darwin said, when he advanced the theory of evolution, it was the, the uh, strong overcoming the weak. It was the uh, one who could survive, the survival of the fittest. Women are not magnified in that time. They were not exalted. Feminism at that point had no, no place in the old, old world before Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, you read of individuals that we hold up in great honor that had many wives. Solomon had almost a thousand wives and concubines. Even, even this nation that God had formed and said, I want you to carry a promise for me down to the time when in the fullness of time I'll send forth my son. Even that nation, even those men and women of faith that we call a faith, were flawed. And they were flawed severely. David and Bathsheba is a story that, that is embarrassing to us. But these people were in a world of darkness. They were consuming each other. They were cannibalizing each other. And God was trying to float a little ark from the time of Abraham down to the time of Jesus so he could get someone down here to help us out of our mess. And that's the man named Jesus. Well, Jesus took 11 men. He said that we're going to change this world. We're going to change the world. And what I want you to do, I want you to go out and tell the story that's going to change the world. What was he going to change? He was going to abolish slavery, that's for sure. He was going to stop savagery, that's for sure. He was going to, he was going to overcome lying, that's for All of these things. When you read the New Testament, you will find that even the people that were the select people of God, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, these people were as bad as the people around them. Just as bad. Romans chapter 1 defines them and tells us about them. They were, they were in, involved in all sorts of iniquity. They were consuming themselves. They were, they were uh, lost. Basically, they were, they were on their way down. This world was circling the drain, going down when Jesus stepped down on the earth. All of it, not just part of it, all of it. Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Nobody. When Jesus stepped on this earth, it was totally black, dark, no light. When he stepped on the earth, he turned the lights on. He turned the lights on. But keep, in, keep this in mind, that when he started to turn the lights on, what happened was, even with those who stood closest to him, by the time he went into the grave, no one was with him. No one's there to help him. After his resurrection, he took these 11 men. They started out with 12, didn't he? Twelve apostles. They're named in the book of Matthew in chapter 10. If you'd like to look at that text, Matthew chapter 10, he says the name of the twelve apostles are this. And you can probably recite them, can't you? Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, 
James the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, Go not to the way of the Gentiles. Don't go to the nations. But just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Just to them. Now, Jesus was here to save us from ourselves. Save us from ourselves. And he enlisted 12 men to help him. And all they had to do was tell the story. Just go tell the story. Tell people what I'm doing. He started out, he selected 12. One of them was Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. And they started out by telling everybody, it's time to repent. It's time to say you're sorry for the scoundrel, the rascal you've been. It's time for you to recognize you're no good and change your ways. Now that's what John the Baptist is preaching, isn't it? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You don't have any place in this new society if you don't repent. And so Jesus took these 12 men and he said, I want you to help me do what John has been doing. Preach repentance. That's what he told them to do. Now Jesus preached repentance and the apostles went out and preached repentance and they also baptized. We have to remember this, that Jesus came, he was baptized of John unto repentance, saying, Get, quit your old life. Change your mind. Change, change your attitude what's going to happen. And be baptized. That's what John's baptism was. And so Jesus taught the same thing. And he told his disciples to do the same thing. In John chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though it says... Jesus himself baptized not. He didn't do any baptizing, but his disciples did. So here are these 12 men that are, that are going to go out and baptize just like Jesus was because they were being sent to do that. They were sent only... Let's see if we can get this up. The other chart I thought I had was that tells us the difference between an apostle and a disciple. An apostle is one who has been sent. Sent out. A disciple is one who is learning about what they need to know in order to go. So Jesus told the apostles, he sent the apostles to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he sent them to teach and preach that the kingdom was coming. To repent. Change your ways. And the kingdom is coming. Change your ways. And they were baptized. Now, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they heard what was being preached, did not accept the gospel, did not accept the word, did not accept the fact that they need to repent. Uh, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 27, Jesus was coming into the temple. The chief priests, the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? Why, why, are, you, why are you teaching what you're teaching? He answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will tell you by what authority I do these things. He said, the baptism of John, where did it come from? Heaven or men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, 
Why did you not believe him? But if we will say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we can't tell you. So they were afraid of, of, of the uh, circumstances. They were afraid of, of what would happen if they confessed that they knew that John's baptism was from heaven and they weren't baptized. In Luke chapter 7, verse 28 through 30, it says, All the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Jesus was sending these men out to represent him in terms of what he wanted them to do, repent. So these 12 men preached that doctrine, preached that, that message. And in order to do that, he said, I'm going to have to prepare you so that when you go out to do this, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. And so Matthew chapter 10, he said, when you, when you stand up before these rulers, don't think beforehand what you're going to say. It will be given you in that time what you need to say. So they went out preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. And they didn't have to prepare a message. They, they knew that God would take care of that for them. Now, in addition to this, he's also preparing them for a time coming when he won't be around and they'll be by themselves and they'll be preaching something else. So he said in John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever even the Spirit of Truth. So he said, I'm, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send someone back to help you in, in the job, the task I'm going to give you. In John 16, to verse 7, he says, I, I Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. He won't come unto you, but if I depart, I'll send him unto you. So he said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to let you do this job. What he was telling these men to do, what we know now is he was telling these men to turn the world upside down and stand it on its ear. How can they do that? Did you know that nothing changed from the time that Jesus was born in Bethlehem until the time that he rose from the grave and stood on a mount in Galilee with his disciples just before he went back to heaven? Nothing changed. Nothing. Nothing. Man was the same as he was before. No change at all. Heart was the same. His thoughts were the same. His language was the same. Everything was the same. He was still on his way to hell. But Jesus had risen from the grave and there was a message that these men were going to teach and in that message this world was going to make a dramatic, majestic change. Everything was going to be different. Everything was going to be better. They were going to go out and preach what Jesus had done. That's what they were going to do. And that's what he tells them. It's not showing here. So you have to sell it. You have to give me this. He said, go. Now when he rose from the dead, he was with them for 40 days. And then he stood on the mount 
in Galilee, and he said, I'm leaving you, but I want you to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Go. And in doing so, they were going to help him do what he came to do, save the world from itself. Save the world because the world can't save itself. Now, if you think man has some innate goodness in him, all you have to do is go to a third world country and find out for yourself. There is no innate goodness in humanity. Not at all. If we are good, it's because we have been taught to be good and we have responded to the goodness of God that He's given in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only power that has ever changed this world and brought it out of darkness and into light. And that only happened because these men were told to go and to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why. Now, they had to, after he took them to the side, and I've also quoted in this, not only Matthew chapter 28, but Mark chapter 16. It says, uh, after he gave them this instruction, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now, here these men were ready to go. He said, go, teach all nations, baptize them. They were ready to go. But they had not been empowered. They had not been fortified. They didn't have the tools. How can I change the world? How can I keep the world from devouring itself, from cannibalizing itself, from destroying itself? How do I get people to like nations to quit hating each other? How can I get people to love each other? How can, I, how can we do this? How can we change the world? How can, we, how can we make a difference? Jesus came to save the world, but then He left the, the job to His apostles to go tell the world, and unless the world is told, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. The world is going to keep going downward and downward and downward and downward and downward and finally disappear in oblivion, in blackness, in sin. We sometimes blame God for some evil circumstances that come upon us. And we say, well, why did God let that happen? We ought to say something like this. Why did man do that? Why did he do that to himself? How come we did that to ourselves? That's what's going on. How come there's disease in the, in the world? Because we brought it in. Why did man do it? We didn't care. Again, let me, let me tell you something about the, the darkness of the oblivion that we came out of when Jesus came. We're concerned about abortion in our day and age, aren't we? This, this subject of abortion. You know how they handled it then, before Jesus? Before Jesus Christ, and there's still some countries. If you didn't want the baby you had, you laid it outside overnight and let the wild beast come and take it. And nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody said anything. That was just modus operandi of those times. You wonder, well, somebody said not long ago, I was reading an article, that somebody said, I don't, I don't think old Herod could have killed those infants when Jesus was born. Remember the infants that were, that were killed? And the grief? They said, oh, we don't think Herod could have done that. Well, my goodness, they killed infants all the time. They didn't care. Human life had no value. They killed whoever they wanted to. 
the conquering nations gained their strength and their power, and we admire the Roman government because they were such a powerful government. We, we admire the Babylonians and the Chaldeans and the Persians and so forth. These guys did it through cruelty and brutality and savagery. When they wanted something, the only way they gained any notoriety and any strength was by taking it away from the weaker. The strong maligned the weak. It went like that. It, it was just, that was the kind of nation it was. How did that change? How did that change? I mean, the whole world was saturated in that. And Jesus said even his people, Israel, even his people were like that. Why did that world change? How did it change? It changed because Jesus died on the cross and these 11 men now went out telling the story. And in telling that story, they were bringing the inspiration, they bringing the Holy Spirit into the hearts of men and women to touch their spirits and change them. He changes you through His Word. That's how you're changed. Why do you oppose slavery? Not because it's not it's disadvantage to you. Why do you oppose racism? Why do you oppose uh, uh, homosexuality? Why do you oppose all these things, bad things? Why do you oppose abortion? It's not because you just have some innate moral compass. It's because you've been taught by the everlasting living Word of God that it's wrong. And you have been touched by the Spirit of God in your heart through the Word of God. And that's the only reason this nation that we live in has some sort of moral compass because we were founded on the basis of the teachings of the New Testament. In God we trust. This country started out as a Christian nation. All our great universities were established on the basis of the fact that Jesus was the Christ. His teaching went all over. All around. And we're getting away from it. We're starting to go back down and circle the drain again. The only thing that stopped this world from self-destruction was the presence of Jesus Christ and His Word being taught. So He told these men, He said, Now, go back to the city of Jerusalem. There were 120 of them at this time. Men and women who were following Him. Acts chapter 1 tells us that. He said, Go back to the city of Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father which you heard of Me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized not many ways since with the Holy Spirit. And they were. In Acts chapter 1, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The apostles were. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were telling people the story of Jesus in their own language. Acts chapter 1 de defines all of this. And in, involved in that discussion, Peter began to tell them about Jesus in Acts chapter 2. And he told them that, that uh, Jesus came in, in the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel chapter 2, 28-30. It shall come to pass in those days that the, that the Spirit will come upon you. In the last days I'll pour out the, my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I shall wander to heaven above, and signs of the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. 
sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came through these men, through their words, as they were preaching the word, and while Peter was preaching, he told them that they had by, by wicked hands had taken and crucified the Son of God, the Lord of glory. And when they heard that, when they heard the word spoken by the Holy Spirit entering into their hearts, they said, they threw up with their hands and said, Men and brethren, what must we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized to every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will receive the remission of your sins. The promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call. Wow. And you know that started a revolution. It started right there. Way back when. All of a sudden the world started turning in another direction. And as long as that gospel is being preached, it turns in another direction. It's not just the fact that Jesus lived and died and rose again. It was because these men went out and began to teach. They began to tell the story. And when that story is told, it touches your heart because it's alive with the Holy Spirit. That story taught to you gives you a moral compass. It gives you a social compass. It gives you an ethical compass. It gives you the compass you need in your life to find your way out of this mirage of sin and destitution and evil where you can stand on solid ground and know that things are right. That God is in His heaven, on His throne, and you're here, and Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and you are on the road to goodness. That's, what, that's what's going on. He told them to baptize, and so they did. They were pricked in their hearts, the people that heard Peter preach, and he went out and preached baptism. They that were scattered abroad, it says, in Acts chapter 8 at verse 4, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. So now then, he said, go. And in the going, he said, teach. Why? My friend, if the gospel had not been taught, the death of Jesus Christ would have been nothing. Would have done nothing. Nothing. Had, had no effect all, whatsoever. The, the life of Jesus Christ in His resurrection, had it not been taught, have you not heard it, have you not read it, it would have had no effect. The world would have been completely dissolved by now. Jesus arrested the downward spiral of this world into the abyss, the darkness of the abyss forever. He arrested it by His death and resurrection and by the teaching of Hearing that message. If you never hear that message, you say, well, why should I read my Bible? Because that's where the Holy Spirit touches your heart. Not just your Bible. The New Testament. The Gospel. The Good News. You read the Old Testament for history. You read the New Testament for your life. For your salvation. To keep you from going to hell. To keep you going right. To turn the light on in your heart. That's why you read the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he said, go preach. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 18 is a, kind of a long text. I'll read just a little of it. Because we know some of it. It says, For they, they uh, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How do you hear unless somebody brings that word to you? How do you hear? Well, obviously, you don't unless somebody carries the word. Somebody has to carry the word. And so he told these men to go and preach. And he said, and baptize. He said, baptize, which they did. And then he said, go teach. Go teach. Teach them to do what? Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the world. This world has changed from the time of Christ. If you don't believe it, you, you just don't understand history. You don't, you, you've never read it. You, you've kept your blinders on it, and you thought that, well, man is pretty good by himself. You, you, that, that's so hard for me to describe that to you. All we have to do is go to some country where the gospel of Jesus Christ has never been spoken, and you'll see the terrible travesties that are wrought among men upon each other in the name of whatever religion they have. But in order to come into the light, you come to a place where the Word of God has had free course, where people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, where people have listened to it, and where people have responded to it, and you come into the light. You come into a different place, a world that's easy to live in because that's, that's where it is. Evil is not going to stop until the Word of God is presented. Now, I know everybody's not a preacher. He said, go teach, baptize, teach them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And so these apostles went out preaching. But they also taught that those who were baptized should teach others. How do I teach someone? You know, the simplest thing can be a matter of teaching. If all you can do is to hand somebody a copy of the New Testament and urge them to read it, it will change that life. No other book in this world world has ever had that power. That's because Jesus Christ infuses it with His own Spirit and teaches us and instilled within us a sense of goodness and righteousness. That's what it does. And live it. Be ready to give unto every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You can teach people by how you behave. You can teach people by how much Jesus Christ means to you. You can teach people by handing them a copy of the New Testament in their language so they can read it and be saved. I think the, the, the concept of, of evil that existed when Jesus came is missed sometimes until we actually look at the people that, that God groomed along the way and tried to keep together until Jesus could come. That would be Israel. He favored them in every possible way, and yet in every possible way they departed from Him and did evil. 
And in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus talked about this. He said, "He said this. My people are like a vineyard that's been built around. A wall has been built around it." And he said, "It's my, it's my place." And uh, I, he, God sent those different servants to gain the riches from the from his vineyard, and uh, they took the ones who came to get it and killed them, stoned them, abused them. Finally, he said, I'll send them my son. They'll respect him. And they, he sent the son, and they killed him. Now, here, here the point is, God has been sending prophets to Israel, sending them, sending them, sending them. Try to be good, do better, be nice, take care, don't abuse each other. Nothing. They, they killed him. Finally, he said, I'm going to send them my son. Maybe the, they couldn't even be nice to Jesus. These people couldn't even be nice to him. Don't you know the world was in a terrible situation when Jesus came? And wherever Jesus is not, the world is in the same terrible situation. So it's up to you and me to introduce him where he's not. To tell people. When he's not there, help them help them find out about him. And let them open this book themselves and read for themselves and hear for themselves the wonderful story of salvation through Jesus. God help you do that. Take advantage of every opportunity you have to do that, to tell people about Jesus. Not just tell them. Read from the scriptures what the Bible says. That's where the power is in the word. Let's stand and sing that song of invitation.